Hello and welcome to another episode. Hello, it's very genuine and I'm feeling good. Hey, um, hope you're well. Hope you're having a good week or the week was good because when this is entering your ears, your ears, ears. What's the point of the education system if we can't say as... Like Indians pride themselves, oh, book smart, we're so amazing. Why can't we get the difference between ears and years? Everybody's like, my years are blocked. What years are blocked, man? You're 35, are they blocked? You're 62, are those blocked? No, your ears. Ears and ear. We say and ear. I don't get it. I'm not an English expert, but I always fuck up. I mean, I love talking. I love doing this, what you're listening to right now, what's coming out of my face into your ears. See, again, ears. I almost get it right when I say it. Like the other word is adrenaline. If I say it now, I've got it right. Adrenaline. I mean, that's why Indians say adrenaline. I mean, you you have a culture which pronounces it as adrenaline. How do you expect anything to be taken seriously? Adrenaline. So when I say it in a sentence, though, the other day my adrenaline, see, it it it, it fucking takes me by surprise. My ear. Yeah, got it. Anyway, what's coming out of my face is entering your ears. Ah, but I have to make a little... It takes a second. It takes a millisecond. It takes a pause. It's not fluid. I want to get there. That's my goal for this week. To get ear into my way of speaking without taking that pause. Like, I have to think. Why do I have to think about saying something that is attached to my head? I. It shouldn't be that difficult. I should just say like, Hey, the other day I met this guy. He's, a, he's an ear. <laughs> See, it takes a fucking second. The frustration. And ah, Screw the education system. Screw schools. Yeah. Anyway. Um, keep an ear out. Ah, damn it. I'm going to do this the whole introduction. Uh, but what was I planning to say? I was planning to talk about how... And uh, you know, why am I why am I sounding like this? This education system has ruined me. Yeah, but um, I feel the the whole thing. Like, of course, I don't go on that Elon Musk thing and him buying Twitter. There are too many people talking about it, and not that I don't have a take. And I, you know, sometimes what happens is there are too many things happening in a, in a certain space. Too many opinions. Too many back and forths. I kind of stay out of it. Not that I, you know, because sometimes you feel. Maybe you have a unique perspective, but I think until you know the topic or the issue really in-depthly, I think a unique perspective is very hard to gain. Uh, and as a result, everyone tries to put their own spin on it or they try to do something which is different. And as a result, sometimes the truth gets kind of fucked up or gets kind of hidden or whatever might happen. So it's, it's, it's strange why everyone needs to comment on everything. So I'm going to uh, skip this one. But... I feel my, um, I don't know, I don't understand certain things with, um, you know, social media platforms, like posts not going out, because I've got not a big following on Twitter, but I've got a few followers. Uh, I don't even, I mean, not even followers, but I've got a few people who follow the Twitter handle, and it doesn't really reach anyone. So I'm wondering what's going on, uh, whether it's just my crappy posts, or but it's this, It's I, I mainly do this, I just talk about what's on the episode of the podcast, and seems like no one gives a fuck, so it's cool, whether it's Twitter board or privately owned, I don't think I'm going to be affected by it, I think instead of one retweet, I might just get one and a half retweets, so who cares, might get a retweet and a quote tweet, ooh, that and ear um, will change my life, but YouTube has started feeding me shit on my homepage, on my Twitter feed, on my, on my Twitter, on my YouTube feed. It's been giving me this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial updates. And I didn't really sort of subscribe to either of them, like in the sense to their story or to their movies. I haven't really watched, I mean, I think I watched 
Blow, which I think was an old movie by Johnny Depp many years ago. And I think I kind of, I, mean, I don't watch movies. If you follow the podcast, you probably know this. I, I, I watched Edward Scissorhands. I thought it was interesting. I was like, ugh, okay. But, I mean, it was nice about a misfit. Eh, I think it was a nice story. But since then, I haven't really watched any of the Pirates movies. I, uh, I, I remember hearing about his dogs in Australia and his dogs having an issue. I mean, I didn't like Australia to a large extent. So I, I, I get it. I get Johnny's dogs. But I'm just in awe of the details coming out and the amount of details being sort of aired in this trial. Like, it's crazy how... It's almost like stranger than fiction, right? Because it's it's the stuff that they sort of discussed and the stuff they argued about, the stuff they fought about, and of course he he's filed a defamation lawsuit for amounts, whatever, some crazy amount, and then everyone's sort of on board with it now because he was accused of abuse and he was dropped by all these various franchises, and. I'm just disgusted with the way people are lapping it up. I mean, I'm not judging them, but yeah, of course I'm judging them. A bunch of fucking... It's disgusting, like, the way the media is putting it out there, the way people are just like... I mean, is this... If anything, this is sort of the perfect example of where our society has come to, right? And we are, as in I say, India, no, not much farther uh, behind um, the American sort of paparazzi or Hollywood life and the glamour we have it in the form of Big Boss or have it in the form of these celebrity fallouts and these marriages going to shit. And, I mean, speaking of shit, like, the, the kind of things, like, she, she threw a bottle at him, she shat in the bed, she did all sorts of weird things. Yeah, if you didn't, if you got, if you didn't hear that right, yeah, she apparently pooped in his bed and he's, he said, and he's actually making an admission saying it wasn't, it was her because she claimed it was a dog poop. It, it's just surreal. You're like, oh my, is he acting this character of a uh, husband who's living with a psycho. But no, it's it's real life and people are in glee that these massive celebrities have such crazy issues and have such... Is depraved even a right word? Uh, a depraved way of living? And I don't know if it's... This, it's kind of the, the public seeing the fall of such big characters and public figures or is it just going we're not alone in this kind of feeling that they are vulnerable and flawed and fucked up as as fucked up as us because it clearly is some recognition of us in them or them in us which is driving this kind of content and this kind of issues uh, to the forefront and people are looking at it as a source of oh what's going on let's keep up with the amber her or the her depth trial like let's rope in elon musk and it's kind of a magnification of what real people or so-called mundane people experience because, of course, abuse and on both ends, whether it's men and women or men or women, both have dealt it out, doled it out, experienced it. So it's not just one size fits all, but it's these crazy kinds of things that are magnified. And when it happens in a celebrity or a public figure or people or you kind of revere as a movie star or a thing, it's all these things from Will Smith to Johnny Depp to these people who you kind of idolized having these things. You're going, ah, oh, it's it's us in them. And we, we aren't we aren't alone we aren't as crazy but I feel when this is being kind of aired and reinforced and the message is kind of being put out there like you're airing your dirty laundry and saying yeah Amber Heard can slap Johnny Depp but it's not a closed fist it's an open fist then it's okay does it I feel reinforce that it's okay to do it or it's cool to do it or it's 
it's it's fine because you know what she gets she's paying out 50 million or whatever it's getting attention and i feel some people might say fucking a it's good to get attention because then the topic is discussed but i think this kind of discussion for an uninformed mind like a teenager or below in that age or even a young college who let's be honest man people in college don't know shit they just pretend that they know stuff and they start spouting out labels and concepts and terms and they think oh my god i'm just the most amazingly uh, uh, educated and an informed and person with exposure who everyone should take seriously because I'm going to change the world. Every kid has gone through it. Every college student goes through that. But let's be honest, 24 and below, they don't know shit. So imagine if they are kind of now dealing with this. I'm not, and as you guys know, I don't make generalizations on the podcast. But for the most part, a lot of people do get exposed to this because it's the stuff that drives these platforms' viewership. So yeah, in a nutshell, have we lost the fucking plot? I think we have. And I think we're going to see more and more of this. We're going to see more and more of the idea that um, you have to be in some in some sense, you have to either know more than someone, be more than someone, have more to show than someone, as opposed to kind of just being content with who you are. And the more these kinds of news topics or more these kind of the, these things get that get attention and get kind of thrown around on the internet, you're going to have more and more of this shit happening which is going to trickle down the filter down whatever you want to to the to the kind of common um, consumer of content, be it whatever strata of society, whether it's the, the underprivileged, the privileged, or the low income, or the people who are tier one, tier two, who are growing. Whether it's in America, Europe, India, it's it's going to happen more, and it's kind of disgusting that we are in that direction, and we kind of look to America for everything, and this is the stuff they're feeding us. So, like little birds waiting for the mother to give the worm, this is the worm, and we are swallowing it with delight. So good, well done, my friends. Not, I don't know if you are part of it, but I'm sure you know of someone who is lapping it up like a lapping it up person anyway i just want to talk about it because it kind of uh, was weird um i watched one clip and then of course if you watch click on one youtube is just like you know what dude aha and i was just like in awe because it was talking about some audio recording of how she basically turns out is i don't know after bitching it out i'm talking about it but anyway just to give you context in case you haven't um watched any of the clips that Turns out that she is the one who's lied about him and she's actually in reality the crazy one in the relationship. So, intense. Intense how your dignity gets stripped. But clearly, money is more important than dignity because he wants his ego. I, I suppose if you someone calls you, calls you, a, 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 you know, a person who's, d- 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 you know, domestically abuse someone i think you want your name to be cleared but I, is there a better way what do you guys think is there a better way i don't know if you want to know but i can ask you what do you guys think is there a better way to settle this than air it all out in public to get that 50 million dollars and get your name cleared but i feel there's a lot of dignity being fucked so is dignity even important i think that's something i think is important and um yeah let me know your thoughts Anyhow, let's get to the conversation which is coming up right after this. Word from our sponsor, which is no one. Hey, how cool is that? You get ad-free listening. Ah, that's great. So today's guest is Mr. Peter Sage. Now, Peter Sage is quite an accomplished human being. And of course, he has a story of unconventional growth, self-realization, self-impact, and self-teaching. He 
unconventional in the sense he dropped out of school at the age of 16. He went about making his mark with money, about business, entrepreneurship. He did it all by the age of his mid-20s, I think. Then sort of got disillusioned with the whole idea of material growth, material attachment, and this idea of chasing your tail, and this self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy of just, you make more, you want more, you just never end that cycle. So he breaks that, goes into this idea of how to sort of have a life of fulfillment. That's a tough word, like, like yeah. Anyway, and this idea of how you can take your life when it comes to impact and how you can take decisions that will give you a sense of more than just the material and money. Um, of course, he's 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 um, got a lot of things to his name. He's he's an author. He's a motivational, inspirational speaker. He's a serial entrepreneur, and uh, overall, lovely person to chat with. I don't know when I clapped. I'm just clapping for him. Uh, really, really insightful ideas. Really um, nice concepts. He's simplified for you. And just a fun chat with Mr. Peter Sage. Uh, that's coming up right now. So thanks for listening to this podcast. Do share it with anyone you admire, with anyone you think will uh, enjoy listening to this. So appreciate it as always, my friend. Till the next time, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Mr. Peter Sage, welcome to the podcast. How are you this morning, this afternoon, and uh, today? <laughs> well, sorry, absolute pleasure to be here. It really is. I'm doing fantastic, marvelous, above average, top of the range. Couldn't be better. <laughs> Feeling excited to be here. In fact, if I was any better, I might even be you. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm uh, so, so excited to talk about everything that you've done and you continue to do. And But just... Where are you at this point in your life and which part of the world are you in and how's that treating you? Uh, I'm actually in Tenerife in the Canary Islands right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm a sunshine guy. Yeah, I grew nice. up in England. I didn't see the sun until I was 12. Yeah, well, England's national color is gray. And <laughs> yeah. Something about being in the sun. I mean, okay, if you're in Rajasthan or, or Gujarat in the summer, maybe you're, you're a little tired of the sunshine. But uh, I mean, even Bangalore at this point, it's just so piping hot. Like right now, uh, it's I, I, I don't know. You know, um, I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of people, uh, especially uh, British tourists, visit the Canary Islands. But um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to go down the path of global warming and climate change. But I, I don't know. It, it's it's. I I always found like the British summers extremely intense. Like the sunlight. I don't know what it is. Whether it's in England or in Wales where I lived, or in Switzerland when I went to uh, visit my cousin, the sun is a lot sharper. So I I, I don't know. It, it, it everyone's like, oh, you should be used to it as an Indian. I'm like, no, it's it's really it's really hot. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I moved here for weather. I'm, 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 it just makes such a difference if you're English to wake up in a, a day where it's a blue sky, and we get 350 odd days of sun here in Tenerife. So yeah, it was a good, it was an easy call. And is it is it kind of um, picked up? Like what what's it like now with a lot of tour, a lot of tourists visiting, or what's it kind of like the, the for, for someone living is, there? Yeah, the, the island is rammed. It's uh, honestly, I mean, I I'm fortunate because I work from home. You know, I've never done rush hour, not in my entire career. 
Okay. My early days in Leicester, yeah, I, you know, I'd be up at five you know, a.m. and I'd be in the office by six. So I, I'd always miss kind of the the, the mad rat race. But, yeah. uh, but the island is it's it's getting busy, and part of that I think is the pendulum swing from people that have been denied you know, the ability to go and yeah uh, enjoy travel. So mm. yeah, I think that's uh, that it's it's kind of the back pressure that's uh, coming through right now, which I'm sure will ease off at some point. Yeah, it's almost like the floodgates have opened, right? It's people are just like, whew, like it's like a feeding frenzy. Even in, in in Bangalore, people are just forgotten that six months back we had a pretty bad wave, and now everyone's like, what, what's COVID? You know, <laughs> it's just kind of, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people that thought that at the beginning and all the way through, but that's that's probably another conversation. Yeah. No, so you know, it's interesting that you um, mentioned the work from home thing because you've had a pretty unconventional. Um, set of things that you've done right because if, if you didn't really go down the academic route of getting the the, the sort of the, the the various kinds of check boxes when it comes to getting a job or following a career and but you you went straight from high school if that is uh that point in your life to your first job and then you kind of had this 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 trajectory which kind of took you to a place so maybe just for people who haven't um read your books or uh, followed you online maybe can you just take us through your early years to um, to what shaped your mindset and your perspective certainly and and I think it's useful because again I I, I don't like talking about me for the sake of talking about me because you know, the, this show and everything else it's not about me it's what if I'm able to share some things that are insightful to other people that can help them become the star of their movie rather than look at mine and think oh wow he's okay because he's done this yeah so if I could just deframe that to begin with uh, and invite the audience to, to listen from a place of you know how this applies to them rather than you know, make it about me so so with that caveat I mean to start with I'm I'm not academic. Yeah, I, I dropped out of school at 16. You know, I couldn't spell MBA. And there, there was a few things that were really useful in terms of the insights that I got going through school. Mm -hmm. One was that I realized that if I was to go through the traditional education system, it would be leading to a traditional outcome. And tradition, by definition, is historic. Mm -hmm. If you look at the history of the current education system and where it came from, yeah. It was predominantly designed to take the, the masses and educate the masses, which was for most of human history was not available. You know, only 150 years ago, Sunday, let's remember that only one to two percent of the world was literate. Yeah, yeah, Education yeah. for the masses didn't exist. And if it did, it existed for the political elites. It was for the scholars. Yeah. Yeah, even if you go into India and your history and the dances and think 5,000 years of history, it was only for the people that sought out and were willing to discipline and commit themselves to a particular path. The yeah. vast majority of people, yeah, that wasn't their option. Yeah. So the when the Industrial Revolution came along, the let's just say the, the people that were leading that were faced with a problem. They needed a workforce that needed to be trained into an entirely new and different paradigm. Yeah. No longer were you there to go and you know, farm the fields, you know, to tend the crops, to yeah. you know, plant the rice, to all of that. No, no, no. We need you now to learn an entirely new different skill set yeah. of machinery and shifts and all of that. And so the design of the traditional education system back from the Industrial Revolution was designed for a specific outcome show up on time, do as you're told, obey instructions, don't get creative. If you think, oh, what does this lever do if I pull it? No, we don't want you to think those thoughts because people could get hurt. And in those times for that purpose, in that part of human history, 
It served its purpose, yeah. But it also seemed like it was a step up because even as a uh, person tilling the fields, if you were a serf in in someone's manor or someone's land which you were tilling, you weren't expected. In fact, you were you were you were prevented from thinking beyond your station, right? Like, in fact, if you said, "What if I can do this? What if I can add new, uh, say, agricultural methods which make it more efficient, which make me work less?" No, that wasn't encouraged. So, from what what you're just saying to add to the agricultural, the industrial thing, it wasn't a revolution when it came to letting people think. It was just, okay, we need this gap in the system which needs to be filled. So it was a very sort of uh, serve its purpose, which is very functional. It wasn't um, at all to broaden people's horizons or expand their mind. It was, okay, you you could do this, you could plow a field, now you have to, say, operate a conveyor system, something like that, right? So it's, it's very limiting, even though it seemed like it was a progressive step, right? Which it was at that time, but yes, within yeah. its confinement. I mean, if we take a parallel in, yeah, in, in biological maturity, yeah, when a baby is born, it wears diapers, and they serve a purpose for that particular time. Yeah. Now, at some point, the baby is going to, you know, grow up and transition into using a potty. Yeah. Now, at that point, that's rewarded because it's great. That doesn't serve you when you're 25. Yeah. <laughs> right? well, it does serve you when you're 85, though. <laughs> the diapers come back on. Full <laughs> circle. <laughs> but, but no, but, but when, when we come to understanding education, I saw that what the world needs right now with the problems that we are facing based mm-hmm. upon the trajectory that we've evolved into, uh, we need creative thinking. We need problem solvers. We need people that are not yes people. We need yeah. people that know there's a better way people. So yeah. traditional education doesn't serve that in its current form. Now, and the, the, other and being, the pandemic lockdown showed that the gaping flaws in the education system, right? Uh, and the political system, but let's let's not go there. <laughs> let's but, not go yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But the well, where we are now, the other major insight for me, Sunday, was this: by the very definition of taking a job, you will always be paid less than what you're worth. Yeah. Because okay. if let's say that job is worth a, you know, I don't know, let's call it. Yeah, I just pick round figures. Thousand rupees a, a, a week. I don't know yeah. what that works out at. Probably not a lot, but let's say a thousand rupees a yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a good number to work with. Yeah. Okay, and that means that you will never be paid that thousand rupees a week because if you're paid what the job is worth, there's nothing in it for the business owner who's taking all the risk. Yeah. So therefore, you have to be paid less. So the margin there is for what the job is worth to the business. Yeah, allows the business to survive. It's just how the game works. So yeah, it, there's only two reasons why you would follow a traditional education system. Well, actually, slightly more than two. And this is very also um, relevant to the Indian culture, uh, as well as other cultures, but very similar to what my experience is with the Indian culture. One of the first reason is that you are looking for certainty. You believe, based upon tradition, which was far more relevant in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, that if you follow a career path where you get an education so you can get a job so that you can get paid, you will have the certainty of having some level of income. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that that certainty is a myth right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, industries are going you know, disappearing overnight. Yeah, most people that stay on at university thinking that they'll take on you know, $30,000, $50,000 in debt so that they can graduate with a piece of paper on the wall signed by somebody they never met to validate their own self-worth will allow them to get a higher level of you know, certainty in terms of money, a finding that you know, they've suddenly become qualified as a barrister and now they can't get a job in Starbucks as a barista. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry, it's just, you know, it, it's the nature of reality right now. Yeah. So you take that option, A, if you were following a path of certainty, you would take it if you didn't realize there was another alternative 
And yet you, you are stifled from the level of creativity that is inherent within each of us. Yeah. The other reason is you're doing it because you're trying to please your parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because your parents from the 40s, 50s, 60s, for example, mindset that they grew up with or from their parents. The expectation management. Yeah. Projecting yeah. the same thing. And especially in, again, I said in Indian culture, and a lot of Asian cultures, to be fair, like yeah, uh, the uh, Far East, uh, you'll have. It's the unit, whether it's the family, immediate family unit or the extended family unit, or it goes beyond that. Of course, it's, it's, it's the sense of, wait a second, what, why are you not doing what you're I mean, basically not what you're told, but pretty much so. Like your grandparents did this, your great-grandparents did this, we did this. Now, are you going to disappoint us and do something which is stupid, right? It was almost like it seemed like, oh my and, God, you're not going yeah. to have a steady job. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? I mean, those are the words, the sentences, the phrases you used to describe your decisions. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head there, son, with the word disappointed. No, yeah. no, no kid wants to disappoint their parent. Every kid wants their parents to be proud. And there's a, a lot of social pressure, especially in cultures like India, or yeah, that's like the um, Far East. Asian, yeah, where, yeah. yeah if, uh, and in India, I mean, traditionally, you've chosen who people should marry. Yeah. So yeah, you've also chosen what career they should have before they can spell the word career. Because yeah. the projection is, well, if we already know that being a doctor or a lawyer or an architect or whatever is a better paying job, then why would you know, we not have as parents, it's our responsibility to be able to give that to our, uh, our children. And they don't understand that fast forward 10 years, you may have somebody that might be earning more money, but they're also on antidepressants. They also don't feel good enough. They're also stifled from not giving their gift or their level of uniqueness, because now no amount of doing what mom and dad told me to do will ever fill the void of having enough praise from mum and dad because there'll always be a shortfall in your own mind you're not following your truth yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um, so yeah for me i spotted that in the early days so i got out of school at 16 and in all fairness my mother was a little disappointed because she had for the same reasons uh, visions of me going to university because in their paradigm that meant successful yeah right now so luckily i say i, I never suffered the disadvantage of university which i'm, I'm quite grateful for so yeah, I, yeah. I, I, no, I totally, I totally feel you because <laughs> I, I kind of am resonating with a lot of the things you said because I didn't want to do it. Like in the sense, my mom really pushed me to go to the University of Wales in Swansea and then as a result transfer from there to a liberal arts college in the US. Sorry to interrupt you, but the reason I'm, I'm doing so is because I'm kind of feeling what you're saying because I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't relate to the subjects. I took it because I was being judged. I was also being told that, oh, you're good with liberal arts. You might be good with sociology. You're good with people. I'm like, none of it was felt from within. And I hated doing research. I hated presenting papers. But one thing which it did help was meeting people. I loved meeting people, whether it was my roommates in the UK. I mean, people who became my roommates or people who became my best friends in, 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 in Oregon. It's that was the highlight of the entire experience and trying to fend for yourself living in a foreign country, meeting different people. That was beautiful. But to just add and to resonate with what you're saying, it I don't remember anything from studying. I don't remember any skill that helped me, uh, helps me now, which I kind of honed uh, during college, you know. 100%. And that really is the transition into what happened with me because when I dropped out of school at 16, yeah, I. Uh, I was playing pool in my local bar trying to make a few quid. I mean, I was, you know, I, my dad owned a scrapyard, so I could drive anything nobody else wanted to buy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 the cheapest car from, from Tata would have been an upgrade, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, from, from me, I, there was a, a seminal moment, a shift that has had ripples throughout the entire rest of my life at that point. And that was, mm -hmm. I discovered personal growth, mm -hmm. I discovered personal development. Now, there was no At internet the in those days. 
17 was when I first came across it. That's pretty impressive but, because that's that, that's an age where you don't look within. You're kind of looking out, right? You're always looking yeah. outward for approval, validation. You're looking for the next thing to sort of piggyback onto. So it's quite profound having that in, introspection at that age. Yeah, well, I saw a guy at a bar while I was waiting to play pool pull out a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, 17, this is 1989. That's where yeah. mobile phones cost more than a house, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as big I, as a like, house. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this guy's got money. And I was in the process of leaving my dad. I worked for my dad for a short while, which taught me a big lesson, which is yeah. never work for your parents. They never pay you enough. Right. It's, yeah. uh, they feel it's the um, uh, they have some sort of genetic rights to child labor. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got out of it. I was earning 40 bucks a week, you know, 40 pounds a week working for my dad. It was never going to happen. Anyway, yeah. I, I, got, I, I saw this guy use a phone. I started chatting with him at the bar. And at the end of the conversation, he's, he was fascinated. He says, listen, you've got this energy about you, yeah, yeah, young man. I was 17. He was really old. He was like 22, right? And <laughs> yeah, there's an yeah. energy about you, young man. He, uh, he says, I'm going to leave something behind the bar for you tomorrow. So I went back the next day, and the, the landlord from behind the bar says, oh, young know sage, he says, here's something in a carrier bag. And it was a set of six cassettes in the old cassette days. Yeah, oh, for, and it was a seminar on personal growth, a live recording of a seminar. And I went home and I got this little pop-up tape recorder and a little foam headphones. And I listened and they were talking about something I'd never heard. It was how to be successful. Hmm. Now I'd heard, yeah, in order to be successful, you've got to pass your exams. I'd heard, oh, if you want to be a successful doctor, you've got to go to medical school. I'd heard all of that stuff. I'd never heard, oh, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. No, this is how to skip all of that school stuff and just learn how to be successful. I'm like, wow, where was this? What class, why didn't I see this as an option when I was growing up? Because what I really wanted to learn was how do I go out and create what I thought at that time was success, which is for that age is reflected in money and status and approval and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't want to learn the periodic table. I don't want to learn algebra. I've never used them in the last 30 years, right? I don't care, no. What have I used? I've used understanding myself. I've used understanding the role that desire and goals and persistence plays. I've understanding yeah, how to yeah, pick yourself up when you fall down. If you if you major in that, I don't care what certificates you got on the wall. You're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. That was my path, uh, you know, coming out of school. And I started my first business at 17, and it was essentially selling toys. I, I went to a, a wholesaler. I bought literally 15 pounds worth of toys. Mm-hmm. I spent five pounds on a, a like a, a market store, like a flea market. Uh, and tried to sell them, and I, I sold them for thirty pounds. I doubled my money. That's, and I mean, that's a huge percentage, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, and what it taught me was, I, I went back the next week. I, I bought more stock. I sold out. I kept, kept reinvesting. After about six weeks, I could I could cover enough of a, a, a permanent market store. And my first business was Pete's Toys. And I remember I left my dad in June. Uh, this would have been, let's say, nineteen eighty nine, and. By October, I'd made my first thousand pounds. I'd never had a bank statement where there was more than three figures, right? I mean, yeah, you were saying if you're getting 40 pounds a week with your uh, working for your dad, even if you work for, yeah, I mean, you pretty much made what you made in like six months, uh, but you made it on your own, which is fantastic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was paying mum 10 pounds board, so I was left with 30 and that was to live and you know, go to the pub and you know, maybe make a few quid playing pool. So yeah, no, it was, so it, it taught me something, uh, it taught me a few things. And one ties back to the lesson you learned in college, which was, you know, you learned that you didn't want to do research in academic, right? You wanted to talk to people and look what you're yeah. doing today, right? Yeah. Look what we're doing now. 
Yeah. Right, you're influencing and impacting being successful and being an inspiration to you know thousands and thousands of people. Why? Not because you're good at research, but because you have a way of being able to use the soft skills that you learned right through being able to check, you know, connect with people in your dorm or you know, people in college and be able to transfer that into something that adds value. And when you and a lot of those skills money, were developed, I'll be honest with you, a lot of those skills were developed with a few drinks down in the pub. And I, you hey. mentioned the bar. Yeah, a lot of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a well-trodden path as well. Yeah, I, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I was asked to speak in public uh, and all I all I could think of is, I need a shot of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's part of the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I then basically uh, invested in a couple of other uh, business ideas and stuff. And since then, you know, I, I've, what it did, Sandy, it gave me a reference. It gave me a reference that I was in charge of my own income. Mm. And if I could go and money, because I understood what money was, and this was another massive revelation. A lot of people go to their grave never realizing, which is why they try to chase more money, which is why they never have any. And that is that the only place in the universe that money exists is in the mind of a human. Yeah. Nothing okay. else keeps track of it. To everybody yeah. else, it's shiny metal, it's hard rocks, and it's pieces of paper with dead people printed on it. Yeah. 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 And so in that context, what is money? Money is a, a medium of exchange that is used to measure perceived value. Case closed. In other words, it is an effect. It is not a cause. Mm. So... If you're cold in winter and you're sitting in front of a dead fire, you don't have the thought, oh, well, when the fire gives me some heat, I'll go fetch it some wood. Yeah, you know, you're going to freeze to death. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. walk into a gym and go to your personal trainer and say, hey, listen, ha, I've got a deal for you. Give me the strength and then I'll go lift the weights. No, no, no. That doesn't work. You chop the wood, you get the heat. You lift the weights, you get the strength. Yeah. You add the value, you get the money. It's a byproduct or a consequence of how to add value. Now, if you're trying to chase money, you're chasing your tail. You're chasing the heat, you're chasing the strength and wonder why it doesn't show up. Forget money. Start yeah. focusing on how can I add value, not how can I get money or how can I make our own money? No. Money can is I just a, add a thought change. there, you know, because I've been thinking and I spoke about this on the last episode. So the thing is, we've been told the more you work, the more you'll get rewarded, the remuneration, and then as you invest more. Uh, and then it's, a kind, as you said, it's a never ending cycle, right? Then you're kind of feeding back into the system, a bigger car, bigger home, better toys, whatever it may be. So people have been told that you spend your whole life working for, say, a big multinational company or you work for the biggest company in the world. You get such big um, pay packets, you get, you get stock options, you get this. But at the end of 40 years of working for them, you spend all that money on the back on these things of of status and of impressing other people. And when you end of it, you look at your life and you're like, wait a second, your so-called savings is what the money you actually ended up with. I'm just talking about the money aspect. I'm not, the value thing I think is really important. We'll come back to that. But I, I was just talk, trying to understand this. Maybe someone like you who's seen that money, you've seen the fancy, the, the fancy cars, the fancy homes, and you kind of went away from that can, can, so, can you tell someone who just says, you know what, I want to make money. And that's the thing. They don't add value. They don't do anything. They, they just want to make a shitload of money. I don't think work is uh, the means to that money. I think you just have to study how to make money. Is, is that a valid observation? 100%. Mastering money is a skill set. Mastering mm -hmm. tennis is a skill set. 
Yeah. You don't show up on a tennis court having never picked up a record or not know what the rules of the game are and expect to win. Yeah, but most yeah. people are showing up in the money game without reading the rules, without doing understanding, without knowing where the, the boundaries are, and they, they wonder why they're not winning. Mm. Now, there's another key aspect here, and that is that a lot of people go to their grave never realizing until it's way too late that there is a huge difference between a life-chasing success Mm -hmm. which most people measure by status and money and toys and bling and all that kind of stuff versus a life-chasing fulfillment. And the amount of people, especially the young people, which are craving approval, validation, significance, you know, the need to be accepted, basically external validation. And when I have enough money, then my friends will know I'm successful. When I have enough money, then my parents will know I'm good enough. When I have enough money, then I'll have the certainty that I, I've, I've done it. But whatever story you tell yourself, but the amount of people that get to the top of what they think is success mountain at that point and then want to jump off because they don't like the view because mm. they realize that, ah, yeah, I'm chasing external validation. You see, and the, the, the best analogy I can give is, is um, if you're familiar with a, a, a dog track mm. and yeah, like where the, the greyhounds you know, run around and chase you know, and, and it's first across the line. Yeah. yeah. So what, what are the dogs chasing on a, a typical greyhound track? They're chasing uh, a mechanical yeah. rabbit. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Now, do the dogs ever catch the rabbit? I doubt it, yeah. No. Yeah. Because if they caught the rabbit, that's not the, it's not the intention of the race because we're yeah. betting on which dog crosses the finish line, not which dog catches the rabbit. So if the dog gets close to the rabbit, there's a person in the control room that turns up the speed. Yeah. Yeah, so the dogs will never catch the rabbit by design, not because they're not a good enough dog, not because they don't have the best diet, trainer, kennel, whatever. The game is set right. in that. That's the premise of the game. Yeah. It's rigged. Yeah. Now, here's a very important point. When you see the dogs at the end of the race, what mood are they in? They're ecstatic. Hmm. You don't see a dog at the end of a greyhound race turn around to its friend and say, hey, <sighs> ran three races this week, one, two of them, still haven't caught that damn rabbit, I quit. Yeah. No. They're happy because they got to run, and that's what greyhounds are born to do. Right. Now, so the, the fulfillment is the running, not the rabbit. Correct. Now, most of us are chasing our goals, our rabbits. And if you notice, it's just always that three inches in front of our nose. Or if I yeah. just get to the next level, if I just get... yeah, my, And that never ends. You may catch the rabbit temporarily, mm. but I promise you that you'll feel unfulfilled quite soon after. And then the next fluffy tail appears for you to chase. Now, I thought, when I make my first million, I'll be happy. Well, in my 20s, I'll make my first million. And I was happy for a very short while. But it mm. wasn't because I had the million. It's because I could take a breath and stop running. I didn't realize right. that at the time. And then all of a sudden, I'm not feeling so happy anymore. Why? I thought this would solve my problems. Well, no. Oh, I know why it is. I need two million in case I lose the first. Let me chase that mm. rabbit. Right. That never ends. You know, I've worked with people worth 700 million, miserable because they're not a billionaire. That mm. game never, ever ends. So if you translate that into modern reality, the reason that yeah, entrepreneurs build businesses is because that's what they do. Mm. Greyhounds run, that's what they do. If your business succeeds or fails or whatever, it's almost irrelevant. If you don't catch the rabbit, now, it's always nicer to get the rabbit, but you don't define your sense of self-worth. Again, you don't see yeah. greyhounds on Prozac because they don't catch the rabbit. Yeah. But the game is designed. It's not because you're not a good enough entrepreneur. It's not because you're not a good enough husband, father, whatever it may be. 
It's because, and listen carefully, you cannot catch the rabbit of fulfillment by running on the track of achievement. Mm -hmm. It's just rigged that way. Can't do it. So how do you break the curse of the white rabbit? And this is a this will be a weight off people's shoulders if they have the emotional maturity to hear it. Yeah. And that is this. When you recognize you already are that which you seek. See, a greyhound doesn't need to prove it's a greyhound by catching a rabbit. A business owner doesn't need to prove he's an entrepreneur or she's an entrepreneur by having a successful business. By very definition, entrepreneurs are going to have multiple business failures because that's what it takes to get a successful business. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't win Wimbledon on your first tennis match. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, you go through it, but you enjoy the game. You take the losses. Yeah. And you realize you don't. You know, I'm using tennis as a, a metaphor here. I don't know why because I don't play, but you know, people relate. To <laughs> no, it. I think it's it's I think it's relatable. <laughs> I think that I think people who listen to this podcast. Um, are avid tennis fans. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But you don't get better at tennis by playing people you can beat. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to life, if you're judging your self-worth by your net worth, you are always going to be behind the eight ball. Why? Okay. Because nothing will ever be enough. And how can okay. you give enough value of yourself if you don't feel good enough because you don't have enough money? You see, outer world follows inner world. Case closed. Okay, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, right? Because I totally uh, understand and I think I get what you're saying because I think that's something I've been trying to feed into my mind um, after many years of being told elsewhere, um, you know, to, to, to being told, um, um, you know, uh, other kind of um, messaging, which was what you just said, that money gets you a certain to a certain place and then you're recognized for who you are. And that was... A lot of what drove, not a lot of it, but some of what, and it became a lot more uh, later on in my stand-up thing. Like when I started a stand-up, I just loved making people laugh. But 10 years later, I was like, where's the Netflix? Where's the Amazon? Where's the multi-million dollar deal? Where's the Joe Rogan podcasting deal, which I deserve, I'm entitled to? And then you kind of, as you said, it's just the next thing. It's the next thing. So just to completely, I completely appreciate what you've just said. But now you're... A person who likes fulfillment, right? You, you've made that shift in your mind. I want to be fulfilled. I'm not bad or less worthy because my project failed or I'm not more worthy because what I've started, I did well. And all these, um, these, this messaging is in place, right? But what if you're surrounded by a hundred other people who are not aligned with that way or they're telling you, el- uh, they're telling you um, other things, right? They're telling you something else, which is, no, 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 but you, you can't come out for dinner with us because you don't have money. We, we're going to this place. We're going to this holiday. You you need to be... So I'm just saying I get external validation is not the way forward. It's not going to give you peace of mind. It's not going to give you anything except a sense of doubt and a sense of, you know what, I'm not good enough. But how, what, would, what would you tell someone who's trying to break that trap? Because I think there are people, including me, trying to get out of it. We have the right message, but we're kind of constantly being pulled back down. So what would be your advice to someone in that situation? You, you've got essentially two choices. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I would actually yeah, challenge or counter that the point, that, oh, you can't come with us because you're not good enough. That, that's rarely a conversation. It's more the conversation that's going on silently in the mind of the person that doesn't think they're good enough, so they don't ask. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Generally, generally speaking, you've got two choices. One is to stay within that level of environment, in which case you're pretty much screwed. Mm. 
Second is to recognize that environment beats will. In other words, there's something called the law of conformity. Yeah. We as biological creatures are pre-programmed to conform to our environment. In other words, if you hang around with nine recreational drug users, you're going to become the 10th. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. You can, have the, you can have all the willpower in the world to say no, but environment beats will over time every time. You know, I, I could teach you how to you know, stay warm. I could teach you how to run on the spot. I could teach you how to make warm soup. I could teach you how to buy warm clothes. Yeah. But if you choose to live in a freezer, it's going to win over time. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, you it's, become, gonna, it's gonna break you, you down. Yeah, yeah, you become who you hang with. So uh, you know, I, I specialize in teaching people how to upgrade their peer group because so many people do it's not a skill that's been taught. It's certainly not a class that was offered in university. I can promise you that. Yeah, how do you upgrade your pick or how do you get with people that are at the same level but are looking to go in the same direction that you want and how do you deal with people that are settled for a life that you don't want to settle for even if they're within your proximity and therefore you know you can't avoid them yeah like family for example yeah yeah so yeah peer group is absolutely foundational yeah you can work on all of the inner game and you should personal growth will teach you how to have self mastery which mm-hmm is of order of magnitude more impactful in your life than knowledge mastery. Knowledge mastery is going to make you sound smart and keep you uncertain because most people are chasing skills in order to get certainty. They're chasing something external for an internal sense of security. doesn't work. Oh, when I get my, my college degree, then I'll, then I'll feel certain enough to you know, be valuable to the marketplace. And you get your college degree. What happens? Oh, no, now I need an MBA. Now I need a PhD. Now I need the next thing. Right. It's, it's and a lot of people, a lot, lot of the world today is in that knowledge uh, place, right? They're not in the in, in, inside space. It's in this kind of, I know more than you. My opinion counts for more than yours. I um, am in this position. Therefore, I can tell you what to do. So is that is that where we are? And that's why we're seeing so much conflict and so much uh, sort of so many polarizing, um, sort of so many issues polarizing us? Yes, uh, I think, well, there's many factors, but yeah, a a large one is the fact that people are chasing this false guru of knowledge, thinking the more I know, the happier I will be. Well, yeah, Mm. how are we doing with that, guys? You know, we live in the most most incredible time in human history where we've had access to more knowledge instantaneously than any other time that our ancestors could have dreamed of. And, you know, antidepressants are at an all-time high. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've got people that are graduating from some of the finest universities in the world that can't get a job at McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, you know, wake up knowledge mastery. Uh, and if you let's go to Christianity is that the foundational story that Christianity is built on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, it's apocryphal or not is irrelevant, but the Adam and Eve story is essentially, what are we teaching? We're teaching that there was two paths. There was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge. Why? Because everything that you need is within you. Eat from the tree of life, connect to life, have more life. Now, once you've mastered that, you can go to the tree of knowledge if you wish, because I don't want to get on an airplane next week when I'm flying to the mainland Spain if the pilot hasn't been to the school of knowledge for pilots, right? Yeah, So it it plays a role. But if you're trying to get the tree of knowledge to fill the gap of the tree of life, then I'm sorry, but it doesn't bode well for Eve at that point. So, you know, mm. that, that's, that's an aspect to understand. What are you prioritizing? Prioritize self-mastery first, then you can choose what path of knowledge you can always add to. That's, that's easy. But if you're trying to learn knowledge mastery, let's say you want to be an investor. 
Let's say you want to master crypto or Forex or real estate. Pick one, right? So you go and you learn all of the knowledge required on whatever course you buy. Yeah. And then wonder why the same emotions that stopped you from the last thing you studied and weren't successful at stop you again this time around. Yeah, you can have a hundred people in the seminar learning the same information and have a hundred different results. Why? It's got nothing to do with the information. That is fixed. It's got everything to do with what happens Monday morning when you're tired and the alarm goes off. What happens when you get rejected and you don't know how to separate concept rejection from personal rejection? Mm. What happens the next time when you know, your mind talks you out of something because you don't know how to manage your fear? See, self-mastery, get that first tree of life. Then you can go and master whatever course you want and be successful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, no, because this is something I really was forced to face just the post um, just when the lockdown was imposed right because I was in this race which was of course not the most high paying job but it was a job which became a job in fact I love doing stand up I continue to love doing it but as I told you I got caught up in the 90% of other rubbish that comes with it which is not the fun part right the competition the envy the jealousy the undermining the various things saying that if because someone else is good that means I'm bad kind of thought process so when the lockdown happened I was like this I was in this place going, you know what, let's look at your self-worth because clearly it's not the disability or the eye condition that's contributed, but it's years of this pattern of thinking. So when I was forced to face these, if you want to call it inner demons, and then break it down and unlearn what I'd been socially conditioned to learn or take on board, then I started doing things because I wanted to do. So as you said, the tree of knowledge, you are not going to be less of a human being or less worthy because of what you end up doing or not doing or succeeding or failing at that and that took me a, a, in that 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 journey in the lockdown really gave me so much strength to say I'm still going to be this person irrespective of whether I'm the funniest or least funniest whether I have money or no money and that's why I'm I'm so um it, it's so amazing to hear you say this and you're helping people with this thing of personal growth and self-mastery because it's very difficult to kind of break away from that way of thinking and whether it's people mean well I suppose especially family but it, it takes a lot of balls to tell someone you know what it's not your bank statement it's not what you're driving in it's not who your friends are in fact just to take a step back and I think the lockdown made a lot of people face that and they thought uh, that they, they've, they've come there, but the moment things have opened up, they're back to that kind of mindless race. But how, a lot of people don't have the... Okay, let me rephrase that question. I mean, I think it's more of a thought that... How would you tell someone who doesn't have the the ability or they might not have the convenience saying, you know what, every rupee, every pound, every dollar counts because they need to feed their family, they need to get the electricity bills paid. And I, especially now... Um, I was reading about the Netflix thing that how a lot of people are dropping the subscription thing because of the war in Ukraine. Things prices are going up, so they don't have money. So they the luxuries. I mean, people are looking at OTT platforms, streaming platforms as a luxury. How do you tell people this? That yeah, you know what, self mastery, personal growth. When they need every dollar, every pound to live, what would what would someone like that take away from this conversation? Priorities of where you allocate your resources. See, if there's a difference between, yeah, let's just take credit cards as an example and business. Yeah, okay. I have this conversation a lot because my background is business. Yeah, 27 international companies. Yeah, some yeah, yeah, have been yeah, 
you know, tens of millions of dollars successes. Yeah. Some have been yeah, millions of dollar failures. Yeah, some have wiped me out. Some have been yeah, uh, uh, touched the lives of, of hundreds of thousands of people. Some of them mm. should have stayed ideas when I was drunk. You know, there's uh, it's the, <laughs> yeah. the path of the entrepreneur, and I love every part of it. You know, yeah. I, I'm just as happy driving a, a, a mini uh, as I was driving my you know, supercars, for example. Yeah. Now, uh, when it comes to uh, constructive debt versus destructive debt. One needs mm -hmm. to understand. You know, uh, one of the, take one of the most cash-rich companies in the world. Let's say Apple. Yeah. Apple wants to make a ninety billion dollar purchase. It could write out a check without breaking a sweat. Mm -hmm. But what does it do? It goes and borrows ninety billion dollars. Mm. Why? It understands the power of being able to leverage. Mm -hmm. Now, most people that are spending money on Netflix are investing in destructive debt. Destructive debt is something that once you've used it. It's gone, and now you're paying interest on the money you borrowed to watch it. Yeah. So unless you're using Netflix specifically to inspire you to try to create more, which most people don't, they use it as an escape because they mm. don't like their life as it is outside of that. Mm. Uh, you buy a bottle of wine, it's gone. You buy a meal, it's gone. You buy a subscription to Netflix, it's gone. You buy a holiday, it's gone. You buy a car, it loses value. So destructive debt is what people have been conditioned to, but constructive debt now, Richard Branson, I've had the pleasure of sharing the stage with several times, has hundreds of millions of dollars of debt more than you and I. What? He's a billionaire. Exactly why? He understands how to use it. So when it comes to how do I prioritize self-mastery, you realize that the investment in self-mastery will pay you back. That is constructive debt. That is allowing Visa and MasterCard to finance your future potential. That's yeah. going to keep paying back with interest consistently and tax-free. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, why would you not choose that? In fact, now I, I have a, a, a program which I created for the lockdown because so many people were struggling. And again, some of my higher ticket programs are outside the reach of most people. Because you know, I coach CEO Fortune yeah, companies at yeah, six figures a year. You know, I get paid a hundred grand a year for a phone call a week right, from yeah. several people because, you know, and by the way, I think I'm cheap for that. You know, I deliver yeah. a huge amount of value. Yeah. Right. But that's that's outside the, the, the range of most of the people I would dearly want to be able to help that are in the situation where now can I feed my family or what have you. So I created a program two and a half years ago uh, and I call it Ultimate Self Mastery. And it's a small monthly subscription where I deliver 5x the value every month to try to help people get their head straight so they can 12 months down the line be a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Now, I did that almost as a not a giveaway, there has to be some level of fair exchange of value because you know, if people don't pay, they don't pay attention. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you've got, you've got to be able to have some level of, but I made it as cheap as possible compared to anything. I mean, it's like $10,000 program for like 350 bucks Yeah. yeah. I, or, or you know, 50 bucks a month. Yeah. And I wanted to do it to help people. I have nearly 10,000 people on that program right now. Yeah. Whose lives are changing. And I explain that to them because again, you see after you see the people on Trustpilot, you see the people putting reviews out or on social. It's like, oh my God, I bought my, I had, a, it was amazing. I had a, a, a comment two days ago, a kid just out of school spent his last $50, right? On the first month, his girlfriend thought he was stupid. His parents thought he was stupid and everything else. 30 days later, his entire life is starting to turn now. I like people like that because if it's your last 50 bucks, you ain't going to skip class. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> if, if you're like, oh, I've got ten grand in the bank, let me throw fifty bucks at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah that does. You know, it's it's relative unless you've got a lot of pain that you're trying to solve. But mm. you know, I, I wanted to help as many people as I can, and that's it's transforming. I want to put a hundred thousand people on that program. That's why that was my goal to try to impact humanity in a way that raises consciousness at that level. But if people are asking whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, it's irrelevant. Yeah, when you come to invest in yourself, it will always be the best investment. Not invest in Netflix, not invest in Hagen Dars or Domino's, right? Mm. Invest in what is it that I can set aside yeah, each week to invest in me. You're planting seeds within you that you are watering weekly that are going to grow into an entire orchard that'll feed you for life. That is right. unmistakable. And you recognize that in yourself early on, right? Because you said at 25, you, you, you kind of were... The, the disillusioned by the entire sort of material attachment pursuit of that tale, uh, which just sort of sends you in circles. So, you know, you, the, 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 there's a couple of things that stand out when you speak. It's this recognition of what you are uh, not just good at, but what you want to give back or rather what you want to help people with, whether it's teaching people about personal growth, about self-worth or about self-mastery. And it's about this idea of enjoying creating um, valuable businesses or just creating value out of ideas. So, I mean, clearly, of course, these are strengths of yours uh, and some people have them and many don't. Many have them, uh, which they don't sort of recognize in them. But just the idea of recognizing that you have this within you is in itself a certain thing that you found early on in life. So what would you say helped you recognize that within you? I think it was knowing the well, uh, the opposite. To be fair, you know, I wasn't born with wealthy parents. You know, we were born on a low-cost government housing estate that was then later condemned and ripped down. Right. Yeah, my parents were hardworking. They had a work ethic, but people can work forty hours a week their whole life, break their back. You know, trying to yeah, uh, yeah, really commit their nose to the grindstone and then retire with nothing. So it's mm. again, it's not about the work; it's about the value. Yeah. Uh, the reason that Jeff Bezos is the richest guy in the world is, you know, he provides a huge amount of value to people that now can order what they want with the click of a mouse. You know, yeah. There's, it's whether you agree with him or not, it's irrelevant. It's money is a reflection of the value you add. Yeah. Now, when it comes to my um, the transition between that, I originally got into I, I became you know, quote unquote successful financially at an early age in my early 20s because I was chasing that money, prestige, significance, approval. I was trying to cover up the insecurities that I had as a young man because I was scared to death that if people found out I was just a kid that, you know, in my mind, got lucky, uh, that you know, they'd, they'd discover this, you know, they'd take the mask off and I'm normal. I'm not a wonder boy that yeah, I thought people were projecting. And so there was never any ending. I, I you know, got one business, then two businesses, then three businesses. You know, I bought my Ferrari at 25. I'm flying Concorde. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, miserable, overweight, unhealthy, no life, no relationship. You know, it's like I nearly killed myself driving home, falling asleep at two in the morning. And I, I, I sat at the side of the road waiting for the tow truck. And I'm like, what happened? What am I doing? I'm building a monster that's trapping me. Why? So I can prove to the world that I'm good enough. I've got news for you. The world doesn't care. Mm. Most people don't care enough about you to bother to give an opinion. Why? They're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them. And that's when I realized that 
everybody's walking around, uh, obviously as the star of their own movie, but most people have given up that power because they're now essentially an unpaid film extra in somebody else's they're seeking to get approval from. Mm. And when you take that power back, you realize that just because I see myself as the star in my movie, nobody else sees me as the star in my movie. They're too busy worrying about their own movie. Yeah. In other words, yeah, everyone's walking around in this bubble of self-importance thinking, oh, well, if I get this, then everyone else will think that. Well, no, everyone else won't think that. Everyone else doesn't care. Everyone else is playing the same game. If, well, when I get this, then they'll think this. It's... It, it, it's this you know, illusion, this bubble that once you burst, you have some freedom and you can finally escape what I call goop, G-O-O-P, the good opinion of other people. Mm. Whether that's the good opinion of your parents that you're still trying to get because you aren't, yeah, you, you managed to become an accountant, but now you don't have enough clients. Yeah. And so dad's still not you know, giving you what you think should be the level of recognition. So now you've got to work another 20 years. I mean, fill in the blank. Yeah. Right. So, when you take back control of your own life, you realize everybody's just projecting their own model of the world. Our parents are trying to do the best they can. Yeah. If, if, if our mom or dad were trying to be hard on us and we perceived that as a lack of love and they perceived it as the best way that they could avoid the fear of not being a good enough parent mm. by not having you fail, then you can start to see there's a mismatch there. And a lot yeah. of people bury their parents with that level of mismanaged imagination or lack of reconciliation. Yeah. Get off, get off what you think everybody else thinks about. They don't. No, Start because they have power. their own narrative, which they are coming from. The perspective that shapes them is their own relationship with their folks. So you can't really blame. And Correct. it doesn't serve anything because you just end up being in this sort of self-constructed uh, echo sort of chamber where you're repeating the same thoughts and yeah. you're stifling your own growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand, you know, like this idea of you, the, the now with various other kinds of uh, opportunities for the younger or the present sort of this Gen Z or whatever, the millennials, um, where they can kind of explore not the traditional paths and they go down this idea of YouTubers or influencers. And it seems like it's a lot more unconventional. The, the traditional expectations are different. But I, I, I don't know if I'm way off target, but I, I get a sense that it's the... It, while it's a very new um, sort of era of experiences and opportunities, it's again going down where I feel the trap is still the same. It's still the money trap. Is is that something you've experienced? Well, to be fair, it's there's a level of emotional maturity that one has to go through. Mm. Just like I did in my 20s, you know, late teens and 20s, desperately searching for and seeking significance, craving approval, craving external validation, the, no, nobody's born enlightened, you know, but, yeah. but Buddha was born Prince Siddhartha. He wasn't born Buddha, right? Yeah. So yeah. When, when you realize that, that the faster you can have emotional maturity, then you're going to start seeing a, a better quality of fulfillment in your life, less stress, less, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you may be, if you're 16, 17, and right now you're chasing money, completely expected. Yeah, when you're yeah. two years old, yeah. You're not using the big toilet. You know, it's completely expected. Yeah. It, 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 it's the natural cycle of evolution. The faster you can get through that, because emotional maturity and biological maturity are not correlated. Now, we see that more at the top end, to be fair. There's a lot of emotional teenagers running around in some very old bodies. Yeah? <laughs> I, was, so, yeah, I want to but, talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but if, if kids today can start realizing that the, 
nobody will ever yeah love you more than you love yourself hmm. and people can never ever rise above the opinions of themselves so if you're yeah. low down waiting until you've got the next 1000 subscribers before you can finally feel good enough it's never going to happen right yeah. the people that you see break through that other people say you know something i don't care if i get 1000 likes i'm doing this cuz i love it yeah i don't care if i get you know whatever yeah, I'm I'm posting this picture because it made me happy, made me smile. I'm not like, oh, I wonder what my friends will think if I post this. Yeah, I, I saw what was it the the, um, the Tyson Fury fight in Wembley, ninety six thousand people, mm. and when the lights went out, it was almost like there was ninety six thousand cell phones recording. Nobody's in the moment. Yeah. Nobody's trying to show the people that weren't there that look where I am. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Get get with reality. Get in tune with who you are. Everything will play catch up at that point. But Peter, I want to just interrupt you for a second because I'm just trying to wrap my head around this right now. Um, say, for instance, just you know, you you have you you, you want um, you love talking to people. You'll get them on your podcast. Uh, you do these things, and but there's still this overhanging thing going. When am I going to get the big Spotify deal or? I mean, is is that something which goes away as you get more fulfillment? I mean, because it's so much social conditioning that you need that validation of a big contract. Because, of course, the reality is that you're going to get screwed over by a big management company, which takes away royalties, IP. I, and yes, the, the, the reality, of course, sucks. But when does that notion of, man, it, I just love doing this, screw the money, that, when does it happen for someone? There's, there's layers. Mm. And... If, if you're using that analogy specifically, I'll speak to it. So I know that if, if, if it was myself, I, I mean, I have a vision board. Mm-hmm. I have goals. I have desires. I have you know, future expectations, should we say. Yeah. The difference is I'm not attaching my self-worth to it. Uh-huh. I have a congruency about it, and I'm not wrestling or fighting with it. Mm. I have certain phrases that I use. Yeah, everything's going according to plan. The universe is unfolding perfectly. I live in a friendly universe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah life is taking care of me. So the messaging yeah, is a lot more uh, encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now here's the thing. I also don't need, I mean, I would love to be on Joe Rogan. That's been on my vision board. In fact, you know, I can't see it on here. It's part of my vision board. There's me and Joe. Yeah, <laughs> best episode ever, right? Yeah. I've, yeah. That photo has been on there for five years. When's Joe going to call me? I let him know that you're interested. I just pass on. (laughs) But my my point being is that I'm not validating myself. It'll happen when it's ready. And you know something? If it's not this lifetime, it will be okay. It'll be something. And and a phrase that I use a lot, it'll be this or something better. Mm. Yeah, You don't want to take your college exams while you're in junior school. Yeah. Life knows when you're ready. Now, you might say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm ready personal trainer for the Olympics. And the personal trainer may say, no, not yet. Yeah. But if you focus on adding value, but if you have that intent, the intention is I would love to be, in this case, say, on Joe Rogan. I would love to have the Spotify contract. I would, yes, great. I'm setting the intent. And then I'm lowering the importance, not lowering the priority. Big mm. difference. Right. Importance right. is where you're So you're not going to sit back reality. and not do any more recordings waiting for that contract to be presented uh, to you, but you're going to enjoy doing what you're doing. That's there. That that's that's laid out. It's been it's done. filed. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But you have you you're essentially broadcasting a signal if you want to get into quantum mechanics, and you're broadcasting 
broadcasting a signal into the quantum field that says, hey, this is what I want. Mm. Now, it's not going to affect my self-worth if it doesn't happen, but I have an intention. Right? Yeah, if I set the sat-nav signal and I said, right, I want to go here on the sat-nav. Yeah, I want to go to the Bangalore Palace, right? which I've danced Bangra at, by the way, for a yeah, little fun fact. Oh, you've been to Bangalore? Right? Okay. Uh, oh, yes, many, many times. Yeah, oh, in lovely. fact, okay. uh, we have one, back one, of my, one of my dear friends who's a, um, uh, uh, a magician, uh, Ugesh, Ugesh Sakar. Oh, so uh, I just spoke with him day before yesterday. <laughs> say hi to him. We're, we're good friends. Oh, yeah. lovely. I'll tell him. We are, in fact, uh, touching base this evening. Um, oh, it's, fantastic. It's, yeah, I'll tell him that we spoke. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so let's just say I want to go to the, the Bangalore Palace, and mm. I key that into the sat Let's just say that the palace happens to be closed that week for renovation. I'm still going to enjoy driving. Mm. I don't say, oh, my day is ruined because the palace. Mm. No, hey, I like that. I'm doing what I do. I'm in the car. I'm heading out. If it's not going to be the palace, it'll be something better. You know, I, I got can I say there's the word called fluid, which can be applied to what you're saying, because it's, I mean, maybe called pivoting or whatever the word uh, terms that may be applied business wise. But it just almost feels like whether it happens or not, you're taking things in your stride. You're being fluid with how you adapt to the situation. Is that something appropriate? Yeah, the, the, word, the word I use is flow. Now, I'm flowing with the current of the river of life. Now, the river mm -hmm. of life, just like any river. Mm -hmm. does not run in straight lines. Mm -hmm. We have a you know, traditional education indoctrinated thinking mechanism that promotes left brain activity, mm -hmm. right? I give you a question, you give me an answer, you have to critically think, you raise your hand, you get the right answer, you're rewarded and given significance validation. So there's, there's very, as I say, it was built on weeding out creativity. You know, don't press the big red button on the machine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we're taught to think under the illusion that the fastest way from A to B is a straight line. So we set our goals and try to you know, march through the jungle in a straight line. Not going to happen. The only place A to B in a straight line being the fastest route exists as a concept is in a two-dimensional yeah, system on paper. Mm. Everything else we have to understand, we live in a non-linear reality. Yeah. So if we start realizing that you know, if you think the fastest way from A to B is a straight line, go drive to your local supermarket in a straight line. See if you get there quicker. Well, no, because the first neighbor's door, right? The first in your field is going to stop you. So yeah. what do you do? You have to take a non-linear approach. You may have to drive south to get on the freeway to head north, to, but you'll get there faster and more efficient. When it comes to the river of life, we go down the river and we see our goal. So we start going with the current and all of a sudden the river bends left. Something happens. We call it a challenge, a problem, an issue. What do most people do? Oh, I don't want to flow with the current. I'm going to take the shovel off my back and start digging through the bank in a straight line. Yeah. Not an efficient use of energy. If yeah. you flow and learn how to flow with the river, it'll quite often bend back round faster to catapult you to your destination faster than the person who's still two feet into the bank with a shovel. So yeah, the, the, the best model I could teach you and probably to, to leave your, your, your listeners with here, which will kind of bring it all together, comes from what Einstein said, which is one of his most powerful quotes. He said, you cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Now, it sounds smart, but people don't know how to pay their mortgage with that, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Let, let, let me break it down in a way that makes it practical. So next time you have an issue, a challenge, something comes up, you can recognize where you or the people you're with are. And this has been a very powerful short model that speaks to what you're saying about uh, being fluid. 
I, I break consciousness down into four different levels. At the lowest level, we have the victim mentality, what I call to me, which means that, mm-hmm. oh, well, I would have yeah, the contract. I would have the girlfriend. The blame game, right, right. Everything right. happens to me. You're blaming everybody, you know, fingers pointing outwards. Yeah. Life will give you some feedback on that, that it sucks. Yeah. Right? I can predict, if you're in to me, I can predict your life. I can mm-hmm. predict the emotions you feel on a regular basis. Not yeah. And most people realize that's very much a, a path to you know, depression. And if I don't want to stay there, it, life doesn't reward me. So I go to the next level of consciousness, which is by me. And that is what's known as the achiever mentality. You know, I know that you say, but my by body, me? by me, because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen by oh, me. By me. Okay, right. right. Uh, you know, and this body's not going to fix itself. If it's going to happen and lose the weight, I've got to get my ass to the gym. I'm going to put in the work. It's going to happen right. by me. Okay, I'm yeah. orchestrating my actions, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. And so that's the traditional path of most personal growth, which, you know, your Grant Cardone's and Dan Pena's and Gary V's of the world. It's get out there, hustle, set goals, you know, pull your finger mm. out of your ass, get off the couch, you know, set that kind of stuff. Yeah. The challenge is that that's far better than being in to me. Yeah. But it's exhausting and frustrating, and over time it wears you down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, to me is standing on the banks of the river of life looking at where you want to go, thinking and blaming the fact there's not a boat. Yeah. By me says, I ain't waiting for the boat. I'm going to dive in and swim to my goal. But you're fighting the current a lot of the time, it seems. You're putting in the work, the effort. As soon as you take your foot off the gas, you're backsliding because you're fighting the current. The next level of consciousness, what we talk about being fluid, is where you're aligning with the current of life and you're flowing with the river. And I call that being in through me, where life flows Mm. through you. Mm. That is a whole different game. I've been in the by me. I've never really been to me. A lot of people live there. Yeah. Welcome to Prozac. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Most people listening to this are more seeking a faster way to achieve their goals in by me. Give me the Mm. secret sauce. How do I 10x this? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Basically, how do I run faster around the track to catch the rabbit? I think will give me the answers. Mm. We've covered that. Through me is different. Through me is like, hey, it'll be this or something better. I'm not stressed. I'm not sitting on my ass hoping it's going to come. That's Disneyland thinking. Yeah. I'm taking the actions, but I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I, I don't need what it is. Yeah? And this is a very specific language pattern that people may want to rewind and listen to again. So I'll say it slowly. Most people in to me are playing the game of feel great if. Oh, I'd feel great if that happened. Mm. People in by me are playing the game of feel great when. I'll feel great when I have a million dollars. People in through me are playing the game of feel great now, no matter what. See, and the people in by me that don't understand because they're looking at us saying, well, that sounds a little stupid. Let me explain the language pattern that you need to analyze. What people in by me do is to say, oh, when I get a million dollars, I will finally give myself permission to feel what I could feel right now, mm. but I'm refusing to because my rules for feeling that are I need to achieve this. So the parameters are the conditions which have to be met for me to feel, but through me saying, no, you, you don't need those conditions or parameters. You're already, you can already feel that now, right? Why not feel great now and then go make a million dollars? Because I'm not then relying on making the million dollars to feel great. I can feel great on my way there. And whether I get there or not, I'm having fun. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, 
it just feels like it just sets with the senses yeah that, that, why wouldn't you do that <laughs> it just feels like the right uh, way to look at it yeah again it, we're human beings we're, we're, we're going to get caught we're going to fall off the horse people are going to trigger us it's part of the growth process it's not about being perfect and living like this all the time i don't live like this all the time but yeah. where do you live versus where do you visit yeah if, if you live in the gym you can visit McDonald's once in a while. It ain't going to do any, you know, any you know, it's not going to affect things much. Yeah. But if you live in McDonald's, you can visit the gym once in a while. It isn't going to do a lot. Right? Yeah, 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 so yeah, where, yeah. where do you live? Where do you visit? And if I was to give the, the, the three kind of guideposts around personal growth, it's not about being perfect. Give up that game. Human beings are unperfectable. And that's what's perfect about it, I think. Yeah, 100%. Stop trying to fix the world. The world's yeah. perfect. Right? Yeah, you try to work on being the best version of yourself. Yeah. Everyone's talking about oh world peace and all that Mother Teresa, when she won the Nobel Prize, was asked by the reporter, what can we do to help world peace? And without even breaking a sweat, she turned around immediately, looked him in the eye and says, Go home and love your family. In other words, be the best version of yourself that you can be is the best way to affect everybody. Not trying to go off on some crusade to put somebody down so that you think's doing wrong and judging them from your perspective. Mm. Right? But you know, when it, when it comes to what, what are the guideposts, try to not fall off the horse as often. Yeah. Again, it's not about not falling off the horse, right? If you're not falling off the horse, you're sat in the stables with the door shut. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's, yeah. Not the, that's not the reason we're here. Yeah. You know, a ship in a harbor is a safe ship, but that's not what ships are built for. Mm. So it's, you know, try not to fall off as often. If you do, try not to hit the ground as hard mm -hmm. and try to get back on quicker. That, that's the guide for, for moving forward in life and, and getting to the end, looking back and saying, wow, that was a movie I would pay to see again. Now, that's fantastic. I think that's really important uh, and really well put. Um, I think we, we, we'll wind up in a bit, but I just, I just want to go back to one point which you mentioned, which was environment. And now kind of bring that in with where you are and you've moved from you know, rainy uh, weather to the sunshine. But I want to take environment in another context. You know, a lot of people move from, especially with the sort of economy growing rapidly in India, or like anywhere where developing countries are experiencing this kind of investment in the big cities, whether it's Bombay or Bangalore or how people are attracted to, the, to London or to New York. Do you feel that environment sort of re- or continues to perpetuate this way of thinking and re- um, kind of enforces that perspective of achievement success and can you be better off and do uh, what you want and find fulfilling when you get out of that zone and say you move to a small little a slower way of living in a smaller town or uh, do you need to be in the amidst the action where they're the investment bankers the venture capitalists I think it's not really a question like do you how important is environment in, in, in shaping the way you look at your self-worth? Two, two, two things. One is that regardless of, yeah, again, there's inner world and outer world, right? Mm. You've got inner environment, outer environment. Yeah. The inner environment is more important as a priority, mm -hmm. okay? Now, it's affected by outer environment, as we said, but inner environment is something that you, you need to focus on. That's self-mastery over knowledge mastery. Mm. Now, a good way to, to remember that is no matter which city I go to or mountain I climb or whatever, I'm taking me with me. Mm. So yeah, if what caused you depression 
yeah, in your little village you think will be gotten rid of by moving to a city, well, I've got news for you. You're still taking you with you. Yeah. It's your rules around what has to happen for you to be depressed that is the problem, not depression. Yeah. Now, but when it comes to environment, choose your why. For somebody who is their truth, it's their passion to want to go and yeah, be on Wall Street or yeah, go to Mumbai and work in fintech or whatever it may be, mm. then if that's what's calling them as their truth, then go swing the bat. It may be that for the next part of your movie, that's what has to happen. And yeah, it, there's, there's no one magic pill. There's your pill. You know, I don't give people the answers. I give them questions to for them to ask to lead them to their yeah. own answers. Or I might give them you know, what my answer is, but I've got no right to impose my model of the world on anyone. Mm. If anything, I, if I've walked a path that's somewhat similar to some people, and I can shine a little flashlight behind me to show them where I fell over and hopefully get them to avoid some of the mistakes, great. But everyone's on their own journey. And yet some people need to hit their head on the sidewalk to learn how to tie their shoelaces. You know, when, yeah. when we realize life is a growth-centric experience, not a comfort-centric experience, is the day we grow up. Yeah. No, that's beautifully said. I think uh, this whole idea of emotional maturity really stuck because I think there are so many people who have all the knowledge, so-called knowledge, uh, they appear to have the knowledge, they have, they, but, and I'm not sort of saying that you have to be a mystic living in the forest to have a sense of maturity, but this idea that you wake up one fine day, you're 65, you retired from your job and you provide for your family, but you're not able to make peace. Your ego is sort of coming in the way, the way you'll interact with friends. So I think with emotional maturity, what would you say would be, because you explained the idea of consciousness and the to me and the by me and the through me. I think just to add on to that before we wind up, this emotional maturity, um, how would you practically experience or uh, sort of, allow someone to understand where they are on the scale of maturity, whether is it is it with the way they look at relationships, whether they look at their responsibilities, whether they look at themselves, because there's so many parameters when it comes to a person's outward maturity, right? Oh, he, he, look, he provides for his family or he doesn't go out late at night or he, you know, he doesn't do whatever, which is so-called a very superficial idea of maturity. But how would you maybe help a person recognize which stage of emotional maturity or what stage in their life of emotional maturity they are at right now? Well, we talked about the, the three levels of consciousness, obviously at yeah. the highest level, there's four, there's what I call ASME, which is non-duality, but that's that's not in most people's uh, yeah, mm. remit this time around in, in what I call earth school. But mm. yeah, to get out of victim mode and move into achiever mode, mm. give up blame, replace it with personal responsibility. Mm. If to get out of achiever mode and get into through me, yeah, buy me to through me, give up the need for control. Most people are trying to control what they can't control. Mm. Yeah, Most people are expecting them from other people and wonder why they're frustrated. So give up the need for control and replace it with some level of faith that you live in a friendly universe and the perfect path is unfolding, but not in a straight line. But the, the, the dividing line, if I was to pick one dividing line for emotional maturity, where if I was to split the world you know, down the middle on one side or the other, are you egocentric? Is your motivations and desires more about you, what you can get, because you're still covering up insecurities, you're trying to prove to the world you're good enough, you think I've got in order to be a good enough father, I've got to provide, all that kind of stuff. Or mm. are you focused more authentically on what can I contribute now, I don't mean from a place of guilt, duty, or obligation. That's the master but service. Path. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you starting a business because you want to make money so you can finally feel good enough? 
Are you starting a business because it's a vehicle for you to add value to the world with a product or a service that is going to make a difference to people or provide something that's going to you know, give them some value? Two different reasons. Same business, same product, same marketplace, same price point, same demographic, right? One completely different shift in the impetus and level of consciousness that's driving that business. And I can promise you, if it's the, the former, if it's egocentric, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be shouting at your staff. You're going to be scared of failing. If it's the latter, if it's all about how do I add value, you're going to be a lot calmer. Same problems will show up. That's part of the game. Same issues are going to come up. There's no, there's no straight lines in nature. And you see a straight line, it's man-made. So, you know, we are going to have all of the challenges come through. That's part of the game. But the way we approach it, if we're focused on serving, if we're focused on giving our gift, adding value, then rather than what can I take to prove I'm good enough or get enough money so that I can finally feel, fill in the blank, then you've got two different business trajectories. And the one that I see succeed way more often than the other one is the one that comes from yeah, a passionate level of contribution. And even if the first one does succeed egocentric and you get a modicum of success, it's going to be eating away at you. Now you're going to be scared to lose what you've built. It's like it's 2 million generous. for the 1 million, the 2 million, the exactly. 3 million. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. No, I think, thank you so much, uh, Peter. I think just from a personal um sort of space i really appreciate what uh, i think you know I, I i've been experiencing some of these 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 revelations if you want to call it ideas and it's just nice to sort of hear someone who's done so much sort of reinforce those beliefs and i think for everyone listening i think on behalf of everyone thank you um and it would where would you like people to come and check out the thing because you have programs to help them uh if you could drop it of course i'll drop the links in the description but if you um what would you what would you like to them to come and check uh, yeah, out feel free to yeah, follow me on instagram at peter sage 007 and uh you'll see on there i've got a lot of free resources i actually give um a, a free master two free master classes to help people one is on how to upgrade your peer group um, although we're going to start charging for that shortly. Uh, but the other one is I do a free masterclass on self-mastery where I teach you the five shifts to conquer self-sabotage, to get over procrastination. It's, it's been called one of the greatest yeah, hours you could spend online learning because I go into the neuroscience and the biology and, and the, the practical application of how you can become a better version of you without getting in your own way. And that I'm really proud of. You can go to my Instagram. It's on the, the little buttons that are in there. Go explore. Have fun. I, I've got a load of free content all over YouTube. Yeah, and it's funny because my second largest audience on YouTube is from India. I'm not surprised because we are a country which is emerging at the same time dealing with a lot of the old ways, the new ways. So we're in a country which is in flux. And I think this is a great time. And I think you're doing a great uh, sort of service to people who are confused and who need a little direction. So thank you on behalf of everyone listening, on behalf of everyone who will uh, visit your website, the various sort of things you've done online. And what's next for Mr. Peter Sage? Uh, I, I said I've got a goal. I, I want to try to impact 100,000 people with self-master. I think we can really leave a thumbprint on humanity at a level of consciousness that can rise at that point. Um, I'm, I'm not linking my self-worth to it. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, then you know, I'm still going to die with a smile on my face. But you know, while I'm still breathing, still here in earth school, and, and sitting my own exams, I, I'm going to try to do what I can to add as much value to people as I can and then see where my truth leads me you know, in a couple of years. You know, I'm 50 years old in a, in a few weeks. Uh, and oh, I'm, lovely. To, I'm more excited for the next 50 years than the last 50 years. And being honest, I was very excited about the last 50 years. <laughs> no, brilliant. I, this is my this year is going to be my 40th. So we, we can celebrate. Hopefully, um, 
you can come to Bangalore. Hopefully, I can visit you somewhere in, in the Canary Islands somewhere. And uh, I'm excited uh, to stay in touch. And thank you so much for getting on this episode and sharing your story and your perspectives and your knowledge and your perspective with everyone listening. So thank you, Peter. No, thank you. So you're doing an amazing job. Uh, the, the way that you are passionate about wanting to impact the people and your audience shines through. You're, you're a, literally a, a channel for service, and it's been a pleasure to spend the last hour or so with you. And hopefully your audience has had some value, and we'll have to do it again sometime. That means a lot. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.